Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Lone Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my main man, JC, John Coleman. Wow, it feels like a moment, like a minute since we said that. You know what? It's been a minute. Right. So full disclosure, last week's episodes, Mm -hmm. which by the way, were fire. You did a good job. It's rare that I say that, but if you didn't check out the, the last week's episodes, they were pretty much on point, yeah. um, but we recorded them a week in advance. Normally, like we're recording this episode, it's a Monday. Mm-hmm. This episode is going to drop in the next twelve hours. In the, in the <laughs> next twelve <laughs> hours, yeah. like John's going to get this shit put up on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, mm-hmm. etc. He's going to have it up there by tomorrow morning. Yeah. But I had my annual pilgrimage mm-hmm. to Sunlight Basin. In Wyoming. Shout out to you. As soon as you got back, I saw another meeting invite for the 7D Ranch, and I'm like, wait a minute, you j- you just went? Is this like a dupe? And I was like, oh no, it's for 2023. Hey, shout out <laughs> to my friends at 7D Ranch, um, who probably don't tune in because they don't get cell service and have very spotty Wi-Fi out right. there. So how are they going to find podcasts and YouTube channels? Mm-hmm. But y'all, if you want to go to the most beautiful place that I have been and experience a wonderful, amazing week in the outdoors. It's called 7D Ranch. It's about an hour outside of Cody, Wyoming. Um, It's a family-owned dude ranch. It's been in the family since like the 1950s. And when you go out there, it ain't cheap, by the way, but when you go out there, it's like you and it was us with like five other families, 30 total guests. Mm. But full full disclosure, you got to like the outdoors. And by by outdoors, like some of the most beautiful places that I may post about on Instagram or, or Facebook. Mm-hmm. My wife posts on Facebook and she tags me. I had to hike to get there. So that's right. physical activity. Yeah. Or I had to mount a horse and let the horse climb up and down these yeah. hills and mountains. There's no trams is what you're saying. And no. Like trolleys to bring you to the pretty vistas to take the photos. No. No. But Good. what I what I am is I'm fed breakfast, lunch, and dinner. All homemade, nice mm. quality food. They have an evening activity planned for me. All that is included. Uh, my food was included. And then they have like staff members, wranglers who take you out on the horseback rides, right. or they'll take one of the wranglers and, and have them go on a hike with you, or they have two fishing guides. So my son would go fly fishing almost every single day. You catch anything? Yeah. Um, every day caught. He caught lots of uh, brook trout, they call them brookies, uh, or cutthroats. Very few rainbow, but we went on this one phenomenal hike where we hiked three, three miles up into this mountain. It was about a half a mile elevation climb. Took us two hours to do. There was a 75 year old lady. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Sarah from Connecticut slash actually she lives now in like outside of Reno, Nevada. This lady is 75 years old and she did that same hike. Now it took her four hours where it took me like an hour and 50 minutes, but she didn't quit. Mm. Like she did not quit. She would take five or six steps, take a minute break, take five or six steps, take a minute break. Um, but there was one time we did that that hike, mm-hmm. and then when we got up there, there was three lakes on top of this mountain, and we had to fish that lake, fly fishing. Yeah, Amazing. Dope. Well, Amazing. Uh, the pictures, you can't take a bad picture, and it really looks like real-life Red Dead Redemption 2. For those of you who knows what that is, they'll know what it means. I'm not a video game player. Is that a video game? That's yeah, a video game. Okay. Trust me, they'll be like, oh, shit. Yeah, but if you just Googled Sunlight Basin, mm-hmm. yeah, it Wyoming. Looks, it looks dope. Yeah, it's like uh, an hour south of the Beartooth Mountains. Mm-hmm. We're about three to five miles as the crow flies from Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. I say as a crow flies because it's a big mountain range. Mm-hmm. So only crows can fly over the mountain range. Everyone else has to, like, drive, which takes over an hour to drive to get into Yellowstone mm-hmm. from where we are. But, yeah, 
it's phenomenal. So yes, I am a little bit well rested. Yeah. Um, those episodes were on point last week, but it's been a minute. Yeah, since you and since I since you and I sat down because I was out of the office all last week. Well, you know, you know, people won't know how beautiful it is because they don't know what they don't know, Dustin. They don't know what they don't know, but you know how you could find out a little bit how beautiful it was. How's that? I purposefully went onto I or onto the Lone Ostra Podcast Instagram mm-hmm. account and I posted five pictures. There you go. So if you don't already follow us on IG, there's your excuse. There's your excuse. If you want to like see all of what we put out there, check out our website, mm-hmm. thelonofficerpodcast.com, tloponline.com, t l o p online.com. Um, and then we have links to everything that we're into and up to on that website. Mm-hmm. Like John and I are going to head out to to Vegas. Shout out Vegas. We're going to be at the Palms Hotel mm-hmm. at Mastermind 2022, yep. Stephen Marshall's Mastermind event. It is September 20th. 22nd, 21st and the 22nd. There you go. Yeah. We're going to be out there. Um, we're going to be speaking. And our speaking portion is sponsored by our friends over at Shout Jungo. Shout out Jungo. So um, that's on the website mm-hmm. as well as all of our handles like LinkedIn, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. Uh, we're going to be launching some loan officer coaching mm-hmm. later this month mm-hmm. in the month of August, 2022. Yep. Uh, if you want information, it's, I know we have a couple spots open in our master's class and I don't know if we have any spots open in our incubator class. That one may be full, yeah. but if you're interested, hit John up. He can give you the particulars. The website also holds the particulars as well. Yes. All right. Anything else I had to talk about today, John? That was it. Man. All right. Are we done then? Yeah, we're and what if we did one day just joke <laughs> just ended it? That people would be like the best episode ever. Yeah, m- many people would. Many people would. Hey, can I ask you a question before we get started? Of course. I totally dig the fact that you went out and you bought the third camera like right. you promised our, mm-hmm. our viewers. Yeah. But I tried to make myself one percent better like James Clear and it backfired. Yeah, that filter you were using, it threw tr- me off. I tried to make like I tried to be like, all right, let me step it up and I tried to do something different and you know. I stuck to it twice and it didn't work out. So you get an A for effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if you could like, I'm, I'm a T lot viewer. Mm-hmm. I like to watch it on YouTube. Right. And if you can get it back to what I used to like to see. Yeah. But what I appreciate is now that you have the third camera, I never have to look now, at that title slate. Right. Never again. You get to just stare at Dio's and myself's beautiful profile. Beautiful. Hopefully, okay. sometimes. Maybe. Except for right now, I'm getting a little bit scruffy on top of my head. Just let it go. Well. Yeah. All right. So today's episode. Today's episode, we're going to talk about. You tell me. Wind me up and let me go, John. I don't know. I thought that's why we you do this in intro. You like, hey, Dio, you did something today during loan officer coaching. Yes, okay. Today's episode, think or don't like your client. I like that. Think, or maybe you shouldn't think. Or don't. Like your client. And when I say don't think like your client, it's because a lot of times your clients don't think. They don't know what you know. They don't have your experience. And for that reason... We have to put ourselves in their shoes. And sometimes as the sales professional, the customer service rep, we need to not freak out. So the question was posed by one of, I had like, what, eight mm-hmm. loan officers this morning. And I do every other Monday, I do sales scripting. These are LOs who actually work for the same mortgage company that I work for. So this is part of my daily job, not something mm-hmm. I do through the podcast or through the website, just something I do because I'm an employee of Waterstone Mortgage. And this is part of my role as a leader in the organization. Mm-hmm. And this one loan officer, she was like, hey, I don't know what to do. I just locked in this client and rates went down. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I said, you must have a very savvy client. She goes, well, I don't know. I'm like, well, why is it a big deal that you locked them in but rates went down? Yeah, did they call you up and say, hey, what the hell's going on? Yeah. And she's like, no, 
I'm just preparing for it. I said, well, you're preparing for a non-issue, but it made great content Mm -hmm. because I'm not going to say this client won't maybe pick up the phone and won't recognize that mortgage rates have gone down. But I'm, as I told her, it's not your issue until your client makes makes an issue. So my thought was, I said to her, I go, you're thinking like a mortgage professional. You need to think like a home buyer who happens to be a school teacher. You need to think like a home buyer who happens to be a law enforcement officer. You need to think like a home buyer who also sells IT equipment. Quit thinking like a loan officer who, whose job is to follow the market, whose job is to know what the proper process for apping, locking, disclosing, and processing and underwriting and funding a loan should be. And you seem to figure out with your client, is your client getting what they asked for? Is your client getting what they signed up to to receive when they chose to do business with you? And if that's the case, then you're doing your job well. Mm-hmm. Kind of like my pilot. We're talking about me traveling out to Cody, Wyoming. So I live in Orlando, Florida. So for me to fly to a remote place like Cody, I have to fly through Denver. And then in Denver, I have to go on a small plane. How small of a plane, John? The type of plane that you- the, propellers? Did, did it have propellers? propellers? I'm did, out with it. Did, I'm out it did not have propellers. Okay. But it was one that you have to get down on the tarmac to enter because mm-hmm. it's too small for the, the, the regular. The weight balancing issues, sir. I need you to sit on the left-hand side of the plane to balance well, it. Well, so let me, let me walk you through this because I want to correlate this to anyone who's in sales or anyone who's in customer service, regardless if you're a realtor or a lender or a title rep or an insurance agent. It doesn't really matter. It's really understanding. Put yourself in your client's shoes. Quit thinking like the professional you are. Because if you do, you very, very well are going to make an issue out of nothing. Yep. Kind of like this loan officer may have very well been making an issue out of nothing earlier this morning when she posed her question, which, by the way, it still was a fantastic question because it made great content. And I'm going to circle back to that, and we're going to discuss that for our loan officer friends in greater detail. But my example I wanted to use is, okay, so I was on the plane yesterday. So I'm leaving Cody, Wyoming. I have to go to Denver where I have a two-hour layover. Then I hop on my flight from Denver to Orlando, and I get in at 11.09 p.m. My goal was to be home by midnight so that I'd have all of Sunday off. Um, I've done that too many times where I get home midnight <laughs> Sunday nope. and then I'm like back at work at like 8 a.m. That's, that crushes yeah. you. So anyhow, so technically this was Saturday if today is Monday. But we're sitting on the tarmac and pilot gets on and she goes, hey, by the way, we are expecting to have 30 passengers on the plane. We have 40 passengers on the plane. That means they've put too much fuel in. We're going to have to sit on the tarmac for 25 minutes and burn fuel in order to get our weight down. At least she told you. I was like, all right, I guess cool. I wasn't freaking out yet because honestly, my labor was two hours. So whether we another tournament, yeah, yeah, no big deal. But then they came on and, and said, if everything goes as planned, we'll still get you in Denver at the same time. We told you we would. What? Oh, yeah. Okay, so I didn't have to freak out. Plane takes off, plane lands. I get to Denver on time. We go have lunch over at Elway's. Uh, after lunch at Elway's, we sit outside of the terminal. We get on our plane. It takes off. It lands. Now, all during that, now I'm on the big plane. That pilot never once told me if we were supposed to take off on runway 7B or 17C. She didn't tell me whether or not we were going to start heading south and then go east or we're going to go east and then go south she didn't tell me whether or not we were going to go over the gulf of mexico she didn't even tell me what gate we we're going to be pulling into 
when we got to Orlando. All I knew is that we were going to leave Denver, we were going to get to Orlando, and our destination arrival time was 1109. That's all that matters. And that's all that matters. But imagine if every time something went sideways. This is your pilot speaking. Yes. Because do you think it was a easy or uneasy feeling when someone told me we were overweight and we have to burn fuel? Uneasy. A little bit uneasy, right? A little bit uneasy. I may have preferred, hey, good news, bad news. Bad news is we need to sit on the terminal on the tarmac for a little bit. Good news is I'm going to get you in Denver on time. Could have left it at that. Could have left it at that. Now, they told me more information, and I was cool with it, but I'm curious how many others weren't. (laughs) But, But that pilot who took me from Denver to Orlando, she didn't tell me one thing about a flight pattern. She didn't tell me whether or not we were going to be at 30,000 feet, 25,000 feet, or 35,000. Go south first, then mm-hmm. east. Go east, then south. Or maybe just go southeast. Are we going to cut over the Gulf of Mexico, or are we going to stay over land the whole she, entire time? She could time? have made a wrong turn. You would have never known. Nope. Now, she did tell me multiple times, hey, put your seatbelt on. We're going to go through some turbulence. That's an update you need to know about. That is something I need to know. It's for my safety. By the way, never really felt the turbulence. So she was probably over-promising and under-delivering. Uh, under, yeah, under-promising and over-delivering. Over-delivering yeah. Yes. So I think about what we do as loan originators or as salesmen and women, as customer service men and women, we need to keep our clients up to speed, but only with the information that makes sense to them. So if I am a mortgage loan originator and I know that my process calls for title and appraisal to be ordered within 24 hours of me submitting a loan to underwriting or to processing. And it doesn't get ordered, but for 72 hours. And gosh darn it, it only got ordered because I looked inside of my loan origination software and I saw that someone hadn't ordered it yet. Mm. Do I need to be calling my borrower and my realtors and everyone else involved in the transaction and notifying them of that? I don't think so. I think I need to look at my timeline and say, does this impact us closing on time? And if it doesn't impact us closing on time, I don't need to MF my processor. I don't need to MF, you know, my, my process or my processing manager. Mm-hmm. If someone reaches out to me like, hey, what's an update on the appraisal on the title? Mm-hmm. Oh, I checked in on that. It has been ordered. We expect it back in the next five to seven business days. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, the appraiser hasn't been contacted yet or the title company hasn't been contacted yet. Yes, I was aware of that. But I checked in on that, and it's it has been ordered oh, yeah. now. Oh, yeah. They don't need to hear that somebody dropped the ball, especially if it doesn't impact what's going on. Right. So I think too many times as sales professionals, we are our worst enemy because we know how something's supposed to go. Yeah. Our clients don't know yeah. how things are supposed to go. The example I was thinking about is I went for my annual physical a month ago. Mm-hmm. So after the physical, I sit down with the phlebotomist, and she's going to take my blood. I do this once a year, every single year. I hate giving blood. So when someone's given blood, I tell one or two jokes that puts me at ease, tries to put a smile on their face. Then I tell them, hey, look, I weigh 200 pounds. You might as well sit me down because I'm probably going to get hot and sweaty and pass out. So do not ask me to do this while standing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I look away and I listen to their directions and I clench my fist. Here's what I couldn't tell you. I don't know if they take four vials or six vials. I don't know if they put that rubber band two inches up from my elbow or four inches up from my elbow. Doesn't matter to me. But to the phlebotomist, if she starts making a big deal because she's like, oh, oh, wait a minute. I was supposed to do this. I was supposed to do that. I'm like, no, did you get my blood? You just start freaking out. Yeah, did you get my blood? Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't need to know that you 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 could have done it better. Mm-hmm. What I need to know is I survived it. <laughs> yeah. You got what you needed and I can move on. Yeah. 
because I don't remember last year when I gave blood. Mm-hmm. I honestly couldn't tell you if they gave four or six vials. Mm-hmm. Couldn't. Is it a fine line between like keeping your client updated versus over informing them? Yes. And telling them way too much. Like, how do you manage? Yeah. That? So I'm going to go back to um, the original question that was posed, and which was really this is for loan officers specifically. What do I do when when I lock someone in at 5.75 and rates just dropped to five and a quarter? You do nothing. You process and close that person's loan because when you lock them in, you are protecting them against rates going up to six and a quarter, right? That was a conversation you all had. You're like, hey, look, I'm gonna lock you in to protect you. If rates go down, then that's just, just kind of part of it. They never wanted a home loan to begin with. They wanted a house. And as long as they still qualify for this home loan, as long as they're still comfortable with this mortgage payment, then I think you move forward. If they get hung up on it, is it like a big process or deal to? Look, at the end of the day, if the consumer comes back to you and they're like, hey, by the way, I've noticed this going on and I'm going to take my loan application elsewhere because I can get a better interest rate. You got to figure something out. You have to reach out to your secondary market. You need to reach out to your branch manager. You need to reach out to somebody to see if you have what's called a renegotiation policy. But please understand when mortgage lenders renegotiate a rate, they're losing money, right? It's, this is a business. We, that was last week's episode. You're running a business. So when your customer says, lock me in, there are trades happening behind the scenes by the business entity. The minute you go and change that trade after the fact, somebody has to take that haircut. Somebody has to take that on the chin. Mm. It's either going to be your branch or it's going to be your company. So when we do it, it's because someone's making that executive business decision that getting 50% of something is better than a whole lot of nothing. But it's not something that we can afford when running a business to do for every single client when every time rates drop, we're going to go out and just give them a lower interest rate. Mm. If that's the case, we'd have to make up for that money elsewhere. So then what would end up happening is, well, what we're going to do is overcharge everybody throughout the year <laughs> so that when rates do drop these one or two days a year unexpectedly, we can just go back and offer cheaper rates to hmm. those people because we made it up on on, <laughs> on the whole on lot of loans. Like you don't want to operate your business that way. So you just have to understand that when you lock in a client, you're locking them in to protect them. Many people are happy with their rate, they're happy with their payment, and they move on. Occasionally, you're going to get somebody who is going to make a big deal of it. At that point, Mm -hmm. you address it. But I don't think you proactively address that. Mm -hmm. And I think that was where this particular loan originator was wanting to go with the conversation. It's like, what do I do? I'm like, you do nothing, huh? Right, all right. Like, let me ask you a question. Are you still going to get this person's loan closed? And 30 days or less, are you still going to continue doing your, t- doing your Tuesday status update calls? Are you still going to make yourself wildly accessible? Did you still give them three options and let them choose what was the best option? Did you still give them a financial consultation? Cool. You did your job. Mm-hmm. And you locked in their interest rate for a loan they qualify for and a payment they're comfortable with after giving all of your advice and you're still gonna be accountable to them. Mm -hmm. Did you still promise to be their lender for life? And by lender for life, are you still going to pick up the phone once a year and offer them a free annual mortgage review? And she was like, yep. It doesn't matter what the market did. Like, do you think my financial advisor is ever gonna call me because I had him buy 10 shares of Apple and then the Apple stock price went down. He's going to call me like, hey, D- Dustin, hey, guess what? FYI. L- let me refund you some of your money. No, it doesn't work that way. 
I have a question for you. What? How do you uh, deal with a borrower or a potential borrower who thinks they know it all, who thinks that they know more than you, and are just? We call those people engineers. <laughs> no, no. So people that think they know more about the mortgage industry than you because they're internet warriors and they go on YouTube University and they talk to three friends. So now they're like, well, my friend said this, and it was like this for them. So why isn't like this? So how do you combat? I always try to find something that's relatable to what they do. Let's say someone is an engineer. And oh, I know there's civil engineers, there's mechanical engineers, there's biochemical engineers. Mm -hmm. So like I would maybe attempt to find a way to ask them to like be asking what type of engineer they are. I'm like, okay, but does that mean you can go do X? Like I want them to understand that engineering is a large, broad uh, industry mm -hmm. and profession. But then within that you have various um, specialties. Mm -hmm. I, or I'd ask them a question like, well, do you manage every project the same and treat every client the same, right? Or do you develop a road a little bit different than you develop a bridge? Let's say either civil engineering. I want to find a way to, to, to connect with them and I want to relate that to what they do. Because ultimately I'm trying to convey the message that every borrower is unique. Every situation is unique. Every market is unique. So like I may have done a home loan for you in 2019, but I wasn't doing a loan for you in the 2022 market. I have to do, do a loan for you based on today's market conditions. So then it's going to be a little bit different. I have to do a loan for you in today's regulatory environment, which is going to be different. So what worked for you? Think about buying a house. If you're trying to buy a house in November, excuse me, November of 2021 versus August of 2022. Drastically different. Two completely different markets. You would have been laughed literally out of the house if you asked a seller to contribute towards your closing costs. Nine months later, I would say almost every negotiation, if you're willing to pay top like asking price, you can negotiate a five to $10,000 closing cost credit hmm. that you can then use to buy down your interest rate, to buy out your mortgage insurance, or to keep more cash in, in your investment account because now you only have to bring your down payment, right? Like, um, don't know how I got on that, on that, that tangent. This is like what I'm trying to do mm -hmm. to explain to the, to the consumer that, Hey, look, I know what I'm doing. I'm abreast to today's current market situations, today's current regulatory environment and how it pertains to you and your financial needs, wants and goals. Maybe I'd ask them to answer like a rhetorical question. Like I'm asking a question, John, mm -hmm. are your financial needs, wants and goals the same as here? One of your good friends ties. No. No, so I mean, home, yeah, yeah. So, so the home home loan that that we gave Ty a year ago shouldn't be the home loan I give you. No, it's completely different. He has two kids. Correct. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. He has he has two kids. You have no kids. Yeah. Yeah. He different. Are you worried about a five twenty nine? No. Are you? Yeah. Oh, no. Do you even know what a five twenty nine uh, is? Something bright futures for your kid or something. Yeah, yeah, something yeah, I'm not interested it's in. It's a college savings plan. Yeah. Are you are you worried about life insurance? What happens when you die, John? Nothing. I'm burying my money with me like a pirate. There you go. But I don't think Ty can say that. Right. Right? But we have this guy, exactly, yeah. Yeah, but it's one of your good friends. Talk about money and investing all the time. With him. Yeah. Yeah, but, but you guys are two separate entities. Right. I think you have to find a way to convey that to to, to the client. Um, something else that came up was someone was asking me, like, hey, I have this person. They're already pre-approved with another lender, so they don't really want to get pre-approved with me. How do you handle that? Hmm. And I was like, okay, well, first I'm going to put myself in their shoes. Right? That's what this is about. Hmm. Why? Why is he afraid to get pre-approved with me? He probably doesn't know any better. So I told this loan officer, I said, you need to ask why and shut up and listen. He's like, huh? I'm like, just ask why. And then I asked the loan officer, I said, do you know who the other lender is? He goes, nope, he won't tell me. Why? 
Like, why won't he tell you that? He's, I don't know. I go, well, you're, there's something missing here. There's a question behind the question that you have to dig into. Mm -hmm. So I would find a way again to tell a story. And if you never have a me story, tell a we story, right? This is why I love loan officers working in an office with other loan officers because iron sharpens iron. And by the way, you can input loan officer with just about any other sales professional. And if you don't have a me story, you tell a we story. So I'm like, hey, this is me talking to a loan officer. When you ask him who, the, when you ask the borrower who they're already pre-approved with and doesn't want to tell you, be like, all right, I understand. But I need you to understand in today's market, there's certain lenders that sellers and their agents will not accept pre-approval letters from and give them two examples. So at that point, you may get them to slow down and start listening to you. And that's the truth. Like in most markets, every market has a couple lenders where talk to the top realtors like, uh, uh, no, I, I, I'm, I will not accept a pre-approval letter from that institution because I've been burned too many times. Your clients need to hear of those types of stories. And then you can back it up with just because I do your pre-approval doesn't mean you're, you're forced to do a loan with me, but a pre-approval letter written by me on my letterhead in this market may, may very well carry more weight than the one you currently have. At a minimum, use my pre-approval letter and my advocacy on your behalf to get your offer accepted. I still have to win your loan. Because I have a feeling this person right now doesn't want to give me the information because they're afraid, they're going to be then forced to work with me. I need to give them an out. I need to feel them, this is a, a Sandler sales technique. Like, look, I don't know if we're even going to be a good fit to work together. Like, but as a courtesy to you and to the realtor who referred you, let me at least do your pre-approval so I can at least advocate on your behalf. Let's get your offer accepted. Then we can decide whether or not we're going to work together. But I owe that to your realtor and it's a service that I provide him or her that you get to benefit from. Plus, ma'am or sir, isn't this your largest transaction of your life or one of? And they're usually like, yeah. Why wouldn't you want a second opinion? Thrush. I'd be taking five, six, seven. Are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah, I'd want that. Yeah, yeah. You at least want a, a second opinion. I mean, look, there, there are certain times in life when your situation calls for an expert and there's only one expert and you're in front of that person. You don't need a second opinion. There's other times where you've your, your father and your sister and your realtor all are all like, yep, that's the best person for you to be using. And you don't need to get a second opinion. But there's other times where it's like, you know what? I should probably get a second opinion. I should probably talk to someone who, who already has worked with this individual. I should get a recommendation. And then maybe if that's not enough, I should pick up the phone and feel it out myself and figure out, is this person who's right for me? Because you may have two people who can do the same exact job, give you the same exact service, the same exact product, but one of them is going to be better suited for you than the other. And that's when I'll tell that client, hey, look, it may or may not be me. My goal is that it is me. That's how I put food on the table for my family. But if it's not me, that's okay. I understand that it's business and then I'll move on to talking to the next family or the next prospective home buyer who needs my services. So I'm trying to disarm that person. And you asked me the question about the know-it-all. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's a, a slippery slope. It was my daughter climbing up to Indian caves <laughs> while we're in Wyoming, where she got to this point where they call it a scramble. A scramble when you're on a hike means it's like toes, knees, and fingers are all up on the mountain at the mm -hmm. same time.
and you're trying to scramble up while all the loose dirt and, yeah. and gravel is scrambling down. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like running backwards on an escalator. Yeah, right. <laughs> Difficult. Yeah, you just have to outpace it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's certain times that it's a slippery slope when you're talking to a, a borrower because you have to submit yourself as the expert without being forceful, without being over the top, almost like arrogant asshole. Gregarious, is that the right adjective? I don't even know what that, I think that's right. Uh, yeah, gregarious could could be. Like people would probably say I'm a fairly gregarious person. I'm loud, I'm um, out there, mm -hmm. not afraid to be like the center of attention. Mm -hmm. That would be a gregarious. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking someone who's a little bit more arrogant okay more pointed more like i'm better than you put your you know nose up in the air and then they want to drop all their stats on you mm. but sometimes that is required sometimes that is needed but i think a softer approach is what is recommended and works most usually people it's coming from a place of fear like what what, what makes you think that what makes you feel this way oh where did you hear that from mm. yeah i'm just curious and then along the lines, conversationally, you can drop in. Like, yeah, you know, I've been doing this now for three years and I've been able to help 200 families. I'm not accustomed to hearing what you're saying. So I'm just curious where you heard it from or where did you read it? Mm. And then you have to be able to find a, a way to, to give them validation that what they read isn't total BS. <laughs> if it's not like, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense why you would think X. But actually, mm -hmm. that's a little bit of the truth, but here's what, what it really means. And then you just become the educator with them. Mm. I don't think you can force it, though. Right. Um, very rarely can you come up over the top. Right. And it's like a poker term over the right. top. Like, like you, you bet 1,000, I bet 2,000. Yeah. You went three, and I just said yeah. all, all in. All in, too. What do you got? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Pair of twos. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you very, very rarely do, do you want to do that, but there's definitely times when you're going to have clients that they just, um, and I joke and jo lovingly joke about my engineering clients. Cause I have a lot of clients who are engineers and they're some of the, the easiest loans to do <laughs> yeah. because they're very much a plus credit, low DTI, high provable income, but engineers by nature are DIY people. They're do it yourself people. Mm. They don't want help. You know, the reason why they, they became engineer because they like to put things together. They like to solve hard problems. That's that to them is exciting. So they view the mortgage process as just one more thing that they can solve for and try to learn. Mm -hmm. But what ends up happening is you, you may learn one way to do it, but that was the most basic way to do it. There could have been a more complex, but a more fiscally rewarding to this client way of doing things. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes that there are people out there. This is going to be a Zig Ziglar term. Where Zig has taught us that there's enough people willing to do business the way that we do business. We don't have to do business with people who, who don't. Hmm. That there's going to be some people out there that it doesn't matter that you make yourself wildly accessible. It doesn't matter that you attend their closing. It doesn't matter that you give Tuesday status update calls. They, they want whatever is the cheapest. That's not your client. <laughs> you know, like that's not what we do. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something else that loan officers in general, when you're talking about like you have to think or not think, <laughs> like your client. And the reason why the not is in there is because some of our clients just don't think at all. And you have to understand that. You have to understand that some people just don't think. Look, they don't have enough bandwidth. They're worn out. They don't give any more Fs, right. which that sometimes is like the best client. Because what they're saying is, look, trust fall right in your arms. You came recommended. I expect you to do a good job. 
I expect you to answer my questions. I expect you to close me on time. All the rest of it is just nonsense. You're wasting your breath on me. Yeah, you had me at hello. Yeah. Right? You have to understand that as a sales professional, did, did you get lucky and you have someone who says, I don't want to think. I want you to think for me. I want you to guide me through the process. I want you to answer my questions. Be there when I need you. Other than that, I don't need these massively long explanations. Right. And there's other people who are like, hey, look, I need, I need you to put yourself in my shoes and think how I think. But please know I don't think like a mortgage professional. I think like an engineer, I think like a cop, I think like a school teacher, I think like a dentist. So then you have to learn all these professions and start personality profiling what type of person becomes this. And then you can think for them. And that's really where we got this title from, mm -hmm. right? We gave some of the examples of things that transpire and some common mistakes that loan officers have when they start thinking like a professional and not like a consumer. Mm -hmm. um, but I think at the end of the day, it, it may be almost like a show on personality profiling that yeah. we should do. Like one of my favorite personality profiling is DISC, D-I-S-C. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe we could just throw it out there. Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't be me who could teach her, you who, who could teach it, but maybe we could find what? someone who is a DISC personality profile. Professional. Um, professional, yeah. yeah um, they have the designation, the, cert the certificate. Yeah. And we could bring them on and we could talk about DISC personality profiling in general. Yeah. We could maybe get a link set up on tloponline.com where someone could go get a most basic disc personality uh, profile. Uh, there you go, yeah. Um, and then once you understand your own disc, you can start looking at your friends, your family, yep. your spouse, your coworkers, and even your clients and try to figure out who they are because that's how you really start to think or not <laughs> like your client is when you can meet them and try to figure out Oh, that person's an I, that person's an S, that person's a D. That's what the DISC personality profile looks. By the way, I'm an IC. Anyone who knows DISC, I will tell you I'm a high I, but my secondary personality trait that is the strongest is my C. Hmm. A lot of people would think it would be my D, but it's not. And I have no S at all. S means stability. S means um, sensitivity. Oh, zero for me. Yes, like none at all. None. I am that person that that if John says, "Hey, uh, my uncle passed away." My first question is, "Oh, how old was he?" Right. Right. Because I don't know. I mean, John's like eighty-one. I'm like, ah, oh, he lived a good life. <laughs> yeah, he had a good run. Yeah, but like if if John said sixty-five, my next question, I'm like, oh, what did he die of? Yeah. And then John would be like, cancer. My next question, I'm like, oh, did he smoke? Uh, yeah. Like, just keep going. Just keep <laughs> digging the like, hole bigger and bigger. Literally, there's no like. Oh, oh my I'm so gosh, sorry I'm to hear so that. Sorry. That would have been yeah. No. No, just I can't do that. Yeah, right. I, it's, I can do it if I work on it. Right. It doesn't come natural. Mm -hmm. So someone who is selling to me, if I'm your client, you have to know that I'm a high I, which is influence, which is like center of attention, which is loud, which mm -hmm. like my personality profile says, a stranger is a friend he hasn't met yet. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely right. But what's crazy is C is compliance. So I am organized. I am detail oriented. Mm -hmm. I follow the rules for the most part. All right. For the most part, but damn, I'm gonna go take mine. I'm curious now. You should. I yeah, know. I think you can do it from free on Tony Robbins's website. Okay. Yeah, I'm not at Tony. We are not at Tony Robbins statue. statue Only a yet. matter of time, Dio. You think so, John? Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Hey, if people like what we're doing, um, I want to advise them to check out our next episode. Check out our previous episodes. Mm -hmm. Give us a five star review. Look, we don't run ads. We don't have big sponsorships and promotions. We're keeping this shit free. Yeah. What we're going to ask is that you share it. Yeah. 
you tell other people about it. We do want to see the audience continue to grow. As the audience continues to grow, we'll continue to get better. Mm -hmm. We'll continue to push out content. We'll continue to invest in better technology. We'll invest in, in our website and yeah. making it that much cooler than yeah. it already is. And we'll start investing our time into traveling to other places, not just Vegas, yeah. to attend cool events where maybe we can meet some of you people up close, personal. And shoot some craps. And shoot some craps. But that is all the time we have for you today. His name is John Coleman. My name is Dustin Owen. You have tuned in to the Lone Officer Podcast, and we look forward to catching you on the next episode.